I need to remove my cat from this situation because she is. Oh my God. I'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Christine. I hope you enjoy this next episode of The Non-Essential. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Non-Essential. Thank you for joining me. This week I have um, a former classmate of mine actually, Jessica, who I haven't seen or spoken to you in like eight years, which is crazy. We just kind of like catch up on on social media and that's kind of our um the extent of our friendship I guess like it, which is kind of weird so thank you so much for for agreeing <laughs> to be on here Honor. <laughs> yeah and I mean I I think that your your life is fascinating I've already told you this so um I know that the listeners will as well so you guys joined in on a really good day um so like I said I know Jessica from the University of Central Florida Rosen School of Hospitality I think it was like an events class I don't remember. I remember our project and that's it. I don't remember anything else that was happening. Maybe event marketing, one of those. And so we got to know each other that way. Um, Surprisingly, you worked for, I mean, still do work for Disney, but I do not know you that way, which is kind of crazy to think about that we went to school together and you had this longevity with the Walt Disney Company. I I was there for quite some time and we never once crossed paths. And that's kind of just... I mean, for anyone who's listening, that just kind of is true to the nature of Disney and working and being a cast member. There are so many of us, like the likelihood that we would have crossed over is, it's is so minimal. Same basis company. So if people were like, hey, Christine, do you know Jessica? You'd be like, gosh, there's like so many Jessicas. I don't know. <laughs> Which one? Which one do I know? Yeah. Also, what's interesting is I did the professional internship, the convention services professional internship. You did the professional, you know, internship convention services as well, the exact same one. Um, you did it before me. I remember asking you about it. Like, is it a good fit? Like, did you like it? And I mean, you did, and you steered me in the right direction. So that's wonderful. Um, and we don't, we don't know each other that way either so we have a lot of things that like we like at one point could have crossed paths and we just never did (laughs) so yeah I'm glad that we had class together though because I think you're a phenomenal woman and human being so (laughs) (laughs) um so you currently and correct me if I'm wrong you're in recruitment right for Walt Disney is it just for Walt Disney World then Yep. So for Walt Disney World here um, in Central Florida, recruitment for all of our mass hourly. So think about the roles like lifeguards, attractions, food and beverage, culinary. I help fill those roles here in Central Florida. So you, um, as it pertains to COVID and in the pandemic, you kind of were involved or, I mean, with all those people that would have been at one point furloughed or laid off or, you know, cut hours and stuff like that. So you kind of have this arching overview, I would say, about like a casting role or what it looks like now versus a year ago even, and like kind of what the differences are. Um, So what, what is that? What I'm so curious, like, I know you've been furloughed, um, but you were working 
in recruitment before this kind of all happened? Was it just like this bizarre sort of like, well, stop, stop recruiting. You don't have to recruit anymore. Like, what was that like? Yeah, you know, it's, it's so crazy to think back to that time, like pre-closures um, and when COVID was really just, you know, starting out and we didn't really know a lot about it and how it was going to affect the economy and businesses. And um, so still, you know, being in the role and having, um, you know, applicants come into our casting building, um, you know, it was funny. It's like, do I shake your hand? Do I not shake your hand? Like, what's the proper protocol? It was all just so foreign still at that time. Um, you know, I had coworkers coming back from cruises and it's like, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> all those cruise ships being held, you know, out in the ocean. And, you know, I really didn't think that we would be as impacted, you know, looking back on it almost a year now, gosh, I really didn't think that we would be as impacted as we were, are, um, and, you know, as long as we have been. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to see what the future of hiring is going to be when we eventually get there. And, you know, prior to our closures or, you know, early on, I was so naive and I was thinking, gosh, you know, we're not going to be closed that long. And when we finally do reopen, there's going to be such a need to bring on more talent and more casts because of all of our new enhanced cleaning procedures and, um, you know, social distancing and, and just all the new measures put in, in place. I thought for sure we would have to hire more people <laughs> yeah. um, when, you know, the reverse is happening. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm, it's it's kind of hard. You want to keep your your hopes high, right? Like you don't ever want to be, you don't ever want to think the worst because once you start thinking the worst, it's hard to come back from that. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you of like, well, maybe, you know, people want to get out there and, and we'll start getting busier. And and of course we'll have, of course they'll want events, in my case, events, and 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 they'll want to bring me back. And and so I'm kind of right there with you in a, of a, how is this going to impact us? And surely we'll be, we'll be back <laughs> to work. And, and here we are almost a year later and we're kind of in this, in a similar limbo. So, I mean, you guys shut down completely for, for a small amount of time and, and you're back open. Um, was, was there a point where they just said, Jessica, take what you need. You'll be back soon. You know, was there ever sort of a, we're just taking a couple month break or, you know, go work from home or, or what was, what was that experience like for you? Were you just initially just like furloughed and, and you kind of left one day and haven't been back? Yeah. So, um, we went work from home, so we were able to, um, get our technology that we needed. So it's funny, my office is still this, you know, time capsule of my, you know, my belongings are still like casting and, um, you have to have special permissions to get in. So I, I haven't even been to my office now in nine months or so, but we did go virtual for a while. And so I got to experience the whole work from home. Um, and so when you think about the recruiting process and what that candidate experience was like um, during those times when we kind of put a pause on our hiring, it was let's call our candidates who have their interviews scheduled and have those conversations, you know, to let them know, unfortunately, they're not going to be happening. So trying to make it as pleasant of an experience with not such great news during, you know, such a, a hard time globally um, was kind of how our roles shifted a little bit. Um, and then from there, you know, it was furloughs started to occur and 
no one really knowing what the future was going to be like and who was going to be called back and and even still, you know, just kind of playing that waiting game. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of those people, I mean, what I would think, because I mean, me and you obviously are obsessed with Disney and want to be there. And, you know, so I, I assume that there, it was a little bit of a heartbreak for some of those cast members who just really wanted to work for this company that they probably thought about for so long and, and finally getting their foot in the door and, and to have that kind of taken away and not, not by anything that they have done. You know, they did not do anything to not get the job. It was just, we don't, we don't have a position for you. That's kind of a weird thing. And I'm sure it was really weird for you and disheartening and, you know, just a weird sort of how do you handle that? And, you know, how do you, how do you do it and be sensitive at the same time? But, you know, the fact of the matter is it's not that we don't like you. It's just that we literally don't have a position and we're laying people off and and furloughing. So, yeah, I mean, from a recruitment standpoint, it just, it just seems like a very weird surreal sort of experience I mean I remember that when when we because we shut down my hotel shut down at like the in the end of March and we were hiring for an event concierge and we had the same thing I mean I obviously wasn't like super involved with those conversations but I remember interviewing them and then just you know we obviously are furloughing everybody so you know you can't have that but I assume for those people as well it was a little like oh man I finally got my shot and now now I don't, now I don't have my shot and you're in there and no one's really hiring in the hospitality industry right now. And it's so hard because, you know, as a recruiter, you have such a passion for, you know, helping change people's lives and, and getting them these roles that, like you said, there's people that we meet that have been waiting years to, you know, get their foot in the door, have that time in their life that they're able to finally break away and come work for the company. And so it's so hard to not sit back and take it personally and think about your candidates and, you know, the stories that come with that and the lives, you know, the changes in their personal lives that they may or may not have had to make and people that, you know, are relocating for opportunities and then get here and find out that they're losing their jobs. And so, you know, it was a hard time. And even now still to, you know, think about those individuals and those stories that just, like just can't wait till we get back to you know normal and whatever that normal is going to look like where mm-hmm. yeah it's it just it kind of just it just sucks like there's no other way than it just sucks you know um so you did it you recruited your hourly employees um I have a really random question just I'm person you know I'm looking for jobs right now I'm not furloughed I am completely like position eliminated so I am looking for jobs as a recruiter and you can give me your your best guess or your you know your personal advice when it comes to resume writing I have rewritten my resume a few times to try and get past like the bots right like the computers and the programs and whatever and I just you know it's obviously the environment right now and everyone is applying but I'm just like not getting callbacks and so I'm like do I change the format do I leave it just like the really, really simple basic format just to get through the door. Um, what would you, you, you know, your advice be to somebody like me, just from a, you know, a recruiter standpoint, what, what is it that stands out? I guess um, if you were in, if you were hiring for a position and there was a hundred different people also applying for this position other than me, what is it that stands out in a resume where you go, Oh, that's the person that I want to interview. 
Yeah, so it's hard right now in our job market, right? It's so saturated and there's a lot of us that are all in the same boat trying to go after the same jobs. And so it brings up that question of how do I make myself competitive? How can I catch the eye of a recruiter and be able to get that conversation and that interview for consideration of this role? And, you know, resume writing is something I think that's so personal you you can show your resume to 10 different people and you're going to get 10 different suggestions because everyone writes their resumes so different. And so, you know, it's like, well, what's the right resume or the format or the context of it to be able to get past that bot or on that desk. And I think it's important to have maybe three different resumes. So for example, in your industry, maybe have an events-focused resume specifically for lodging. And then an events-focused resume specifically for conventions or an events-focused resume specifically for, you know, whatever that other um, facility might be because the context of those resumes might look a lot different from um, the scope or the size of the events that you're holding or the partners that you're having to use depending on your venues. So don't stress yourself out with reformatting or rewriting your resumes. Just have maybe two or three resumes for the different types of um, industry that you're going for. Um, definitely, I think a cover letter is important. And during a time where the job market is so competitive, I think you have to consider those extra steps, you know, that you're going to take that's really going to set you apart from someone that's just going to bypass and take the short route just to get their application submitted. Right. Um, and then I would say networking, you know, networking is so critical and important um, that a lot of times, you know, you learn about opportunities or receive opportunities just because of those conversations or partners that you can have. So not being afraid to reach out on LinkedIn and, you know, connect with people and ask questions. Um, and build that professional network, I think is so critical um, because then when that application does come through or you have that interest or that opportunity finally posts, you can circle back and make that connection with that individual, whether it's a recruiter or a hiring manager, or whoever it might be, and you know, hopefully get your uh, resume on the desk that way. That's really good advice. And I try and do a cover letter if it's something that is asked you know, as an option, like you said. Do you read cover letters? I mean, would you as a recruiter actually read those cover letters? And, and what are you looking for? Because it's it's hard. I'm finding it now that I'm writing. I've, I've applied for over 100 jobs. So like to rewrite um, a cover letter to make it personal to that position or to that company can be a little overwhelming. What What is it that you personally would look for? Like if you had, you know, an array of cover letters to read, what are the things that stick out to you in those cover letters? Yeah, I think I'm going to look for something, you know, from an applicant that's really going to highlight their skills and abilities and how they're going to be applicable to that position. Maybe some experience um, that they might have kind of like taking the footnote version of your resume and putting it all into one letter. And that's your chance to showcase yourself. Why you think you're a good fit for the job? Here's how I'm going to reinforce that thought process um, based on my experience. And then why you want to work for the company in general, show that you've done your research. You know, if you have a chance to, a recruiter is usually going to know within the first five to 10 minutes, if you're going to be the right fit for a role. And a lot of times 
time sets based off of personality. We've already looked at your cover letter and resume. So if you can take that snapshot of yourself and get it on paper so that when we call you and start to have those conversations, we're thinking, okay, yeah, this is the person that I read on the paper. And, you know, this is a good conversation um, to move forward with. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. And that's kind of just what I needed to hear, like a, like a solidifying that, like what I'm doing <laughs> is like good. And it, it might not be me. It's probably more the environment that we're in and, and how it's so saturated with applicants. Um, but it's kind of hard to remember that, right. When you're applying for so many jobs and you're not hearing anything back. So thank you for just, you know, <laughs> yeah. solidifying what I'm already doing. <laughs> It. when you're applying for a hundred jobs and you have to write a hundred cover letters and it's like oh gosh you know now I have to rewrite this one it's you know it gets discouraging and sometimes you know you question if it's really you know brings contribution to your application but I think it's so important you know like I said during these times it's like what does your competition look like do they have that bachelor's degree you know their education do they have a master's or a phd during their layoff or furlough are they doing certifications or continuing education to you know better enhance themselves and their skill set so you just always have to think about that you know how am i setting myself apart from my competition and how can i highlight that um to a recruiter so that they can see that you know i am the best fit for the role and so a cover letter is a good way to do that. And then continuing that in a conversation when you get that opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so there are probably a lot of people who are listening um, that are not me or you, or even my last guest, Casey, who worked for the Walt Disney Company as well, um, who are really curious how, how we got to where we, where we got to. How did you get to recruiting? Where did you start? And, and kind of that classic question, what was your journey? Yeah. So I think my journey starts back with my internship because getting hired with Disney, you know, if you've ever tried, it's hard. It is a hard, hard company to get employed with. And my internship, I think, is a great story and testament to that. Um, I remember going to those career fairs that Rosen would host in the courtyard and Disney would be there, you know, with their recruiters and their booths set up. And it was, that was always my target of like, I knew I wanted to work for Disney. I'm going to, you know, I'm getting my degree in event management and this is where I want to see myself going. So kind of targeting the company that way. Um, so my story starts there, getting my foot in the door and getting my internship. Um, and then transitioning my career after my internship ended into merchandise operations, um, becoming a, you know, a leader within the merchandise operations and getting to work in the theme parks and resorts is a huge reason why I'm where I, where I am at today. But as you know, I had to leave Disney in 2017 and moved across the country to Seattle. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was a hard transition for me because there was no Disney out there and I couldn't transfer with the company. And so trying to be purposeful and strategic with how I was going to continue my professional career, um, I ended up getting a job with Target as a human resources manager. And so when I had the opportunity to move back to Florida, I knew that transferring with Target wasn't the right decision for me and that, you know, coming back home, that I wanted to come back home to Disney. 
And, you know, it was, it was a little bit of everything. It was right place, right time. They were hiring for recruiters. So having that opportunity posted and available was a big step. And then my experience, um, you know, to be a successful recruiter, you have to have that knowledge of your industry and your operation. And you know, how can you really articulate a role to a candidate if you haven't been out there within the operation managing that talent firsthand? So definitely, you know, my um, experience with the company in operations and leadership. And then, of course, I, you know, I believe that my experience with Target as a human resources manager, um, kind of having that holistic experience of recruitment through retail, human resources, and everything that comes with that. Um, it just, you know, I think was a great package that just kind of set me up to be able to slide into this role and be successful with it. It's really nice to hear that people um, who are successful with Disney can leave and come back and and still be successful, whether it's in the role that they had left or, you know, a new one. And I think that's even, even now, right? Like a lot of people had to leave. A lot of people had to move away and go back home. So I think it's really nice to know that, you know, and, and, and for you to say that you came home, you wanted to come home and not home to Florida. I mean, home to Florida, but like home to Disney, like that. That, that kind of speaks volumes as far as um, loyalty, especially through so many cast members are super loyal. If I had a chance to work for Disney again, I would take it in a heartbeat, um, more so on the Disneyland side or even just the Walt Disney Company in general. And so it's just a testament to how they treat their employees, the community um, itself, and kind of everything that you get when you are a cast member. And speaking of you, you know, the community, I had had asked you this before or had mentioned it before. Disney has a community just like every other company would have a community, right? But the difference is between Disney and a Target and a Hyatt, Disney World, at least, their community is all centered in this city. You know, Disney is like its own city or its own town township or whatever. So it's a completely different world as far as connecting with your community. How has it improved or changed or, um, you know, what has, what are the differences between a normal operating season pre-COVID to now? Are you, have you seen it strengthen? Yeah. So, you know, we talk about the Disney community with what you have on property and what the company kind of provides for you, right? With their own um, jurisdiction and Reedy Creek being our fire department and, and paramedic team and and our cast connection, having that, you know, outlet that we can shop at, at with affordable prices and, and bring our family and friends as guests with us. During COVID though, you know, we lost a lot of those resources as the property shut down. And this is one thing that I love about our company um, is the people that work for Disney. We are, and you know this because you've worked with for Disney, we are our own little like culture of people. And there's just something about a Disney cast member that sets you apart from, you know, the average Joe. And what I have loved during this time of COVID-19 is how the Disney community has come together and created different resources for us to still be able to provide and live our lives and not feel so alone 
you know, I think mental health during this time has been hard for a lot of people. And so I just loved how our community of our Disney cast has come together. Um, and some examples of that, there was a cast member who started something called the cast member pantry. Have you heard about it? I have. I've seen the posts on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So the cast member pantry was started by cast members and it's basically a food bank. So if there's been a furloughed or laid off cast member that, you know, money's really tight and unemployment's not the best here in Florida and they don't have the resources to have a meal on the table for their family, they can go to the cast member pantry and be able to get groceries to have food available for themselves and their family. There's other cast members that have started um, a Facebook page called Ear for Each Other. And that's where, you know, casts that have created little side hustles or businesses during this time can go on there, post their side hustle or business, and the community can support them, you know, by purchasing from them. And that page has grown to over 70,000 people that are supporting Disney cast members. And so, you know, just those two resources, just to mention as far as, you know, what the community looks like, it's just, you know, it's a very uplifting and supportive group of people that we all want to see each other succeed. And even the company, you know, providing additional resources through certifications, through Disney University, and, you know, keeping your benefits so you can still participate in the magic. Um, it's just, it's been nice to see it strengthen um, during a time where, you know, a lot of businesses are closing or falling apart, that, you know, our community is just stronger than ever. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you're, you're totally right when you say being a Disney cast member, it's like its own culture, you know, and I've, truly believe that working for Disney, both at the front desk at Caribbean Beach and Boardwalk, and then also in the professional internship um, really molded me into who I am. And not only in a professional sense, but in a personal sense as well. And we always at Disney like to say, um, go above and beyond. That's something that is, is said quite often. And you know, it's not, it's not really um, something that people feel like, oh no, I have to like make sure that I'm going above and beyond. It's in like people's bones to just naturally do that mm -hmm. for people. And I think that's the magic of Disney. And, and I love that people are taking that, what they would normally put that energy into their work and putting that energy into their community, especially a cast member community that is so impacted by what is happening. There are so many of you that are, you know, laid off, furloughed, position eliminated. So I think it is really awesome. And just, I mean, I love it. And, and I don't, I wouldn't expect anything less, right? When it comes to Disney, there's just so many of you and you're kind of this, um, you know, army of people who truly care for others. And it's, it's not because you have to, because you work for Disney. It's because that's just that's just who you are. And I think yeah. it's, I think it's great. Um, so that's awesome that the community is still like thriving. I love it. <laughs> I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Um, you had mentioned earlier that um, you had moved to Seattle and you had lived there for a little bit and then you came back. I know, well, from what you had shared that over the summer, right, you had to go back and then you like spent a little time there and then you came back and I remember you having your full face shield on the plane. I have not been on a plane 
since any of this? What was it like, especially coming from a state that is a little bit more relaxed as far as rules and regulations with COVID to a, a state that I'm assuming, I mean, Seattle was a hotbed, right? So I'm assuming they're a little bit more, they have more precautions in place for that. What was that like going from one to another, especially probably your first time traveling during a pandemic? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was, you know, talk about anxiety. I was so nervous to have to fly back and I had to fly back because I had Invisalign. And so I had to go back to see my orthodontist, which I'm like, well, great. Then I'm going to be sitting there with my mouth open in the you know, dental field. It doesn't, it doesn't sound smart. <laughs> like it's, the, it's the, the thing you shouldn't do. The, the thing that they hound you about not doing. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> So it was like, you know, but it had to happen. Like you said, it was just Seattle was that hot spot, you know, Seattle's kind of where COVID started and they were the headlines, you know, back in um, April last year, January, February, March, because that's where, you know, a lot of the cases started. So, you know, you go from Florida, that's such a relaxed state, but yet our cases, you know, are still seem to be high every day and then flying across the country for the first time during a global pandemic um, to where it all kind of started. Oh my gosh, I was so nervous. And, you know, I, the best that you could do that I did was just protect myself. I wore double masks. So I had double face masks on. Uh, you saw me with my plastic shield mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I'm walking through the airport, the only person looking like this, everyone probably thought I was a fool, but, you know, safety was my priority and, you know, it just wasn't worth it to put myself at risk. Uh, Once I was on my aircraft, I was that person with my Lysol wipes, like sanitizing everything, wiping my seat down and, um, you know, just trying to be as safe as I could in such a vulnerable state, you know, or position that you really can't control. So control what you can control. And that's what I tried to do. And, you know, when I got there, I rented a car instead of taking an Uber and I had to stay at a hotel. And, you know, I was impressed with um, their protocols. It was a Hilton Garden Inn. So kudos to Hilton. I felt safe while I was there. No rooms or, you know, no refreshing of the room with housekeeping while you were there because of COVID, um, which I was fine with. But yeah, you know, it's scary traveling during a global pandemic. Try to stay relaxed. Don't psych yourself out. Control what you can control and just watch out for yourself. Yeah. When you were in Seattle, were people a little bit more like you, like wearing double masks and being super careful? Honestly, not that I saw. Um. (laughs) Which is weird because I would have thought there would have been like this dramatic sort of, you know, transition from a Florida to a, a Washington state, right? Yeah. That's weird. Um, and it's funny when I, cause when I flew out there, um, I flew into SeaTac, which is Seattle's biggest airport. And, um, but my appointment was actually 14 miles outside of the city. So I really didn't spend much time in the heart of downtown. Um, and, you know, I think during that time, um, a lot of the riots were still going on or, or cooling down. And so it just wasn't an environment that I really wanted to be exposed to. So really my mission while I was there was just to kind of get in and get out. And get out. Yeah. I mean, that's probably smart. Um, did you see any of the aftermath from any of those protests or were you just so far removed from the city that it didn't really seem 
to, you know, expand that far. Yeah. You know, I was too far out to see it firsthand, but, you know, having lived there, we have family and friends that were, you know, there and, and still are there. Um, and so we had a chance to FaceTime, um, you know, when riots are going on and it was just so sad, so, so sad to see the destruction and the divide in the community and, you know, the hate, you can just feel it. And, um, you know, it's nice to see that that area is recovering and rebounding and moving on past that. But man, those are hard times and family and friends, you know, are out there in the heart of it. You know, it's hard not to worry for them and their safety. And so I'm, I'm just glad that we've been able to move on past that. But that's good. I mean, those are really scary times. So I, I mean, I didn't, I know a couple people in large cities. I don't know anybody in Seattle, but like Los Angeles. And I was texting them constantly to make sure that they were okay or, or to see, you know, what their perception of it was versus like a news perception and a news channel perception and, and same in New York. So um, yeah, it's really scary, especially when you're not there to see what's happening. You just like, you expect the worst, right? You think the worst is happening to your family and to your friends and most of the time, it's probably not the case. Um, they're probably safe um, and not in the midst of it. Um, but it is kind of scary just to let your mind wander when you're not, you're just seeing this stuff on TV and you're not, you know, experiencing it firsthand. But they're all safe, I assume. So that's, that's good. <laughs> good, uh, yes. good to hear. Good to hear. So you had to do that. So that was one of your exciting things. I would say, I mean, scary and exciting um during the pandemic and then you started your own business which is so cool I mean you um you took this time and you were overly productive which not everyone can say so kudos to you congratulations um so I want you to tell us a little bit about your business and what you're creating which is beautiful they are beautiful by the way so oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So since you and I have known each other and you followed me, you probably see like, I'm not the type of person that can just sit around. Like I'm not, I don't do well in an idle state. And especially when you're forced to slow down, you know, my mind is always thinking about the future and how can I better improve myself or how can I, you know, take advantage of this time? Um, you know, the stock market crashes. Hey, let's look at where we can invest. And, you know, it, um, take, you know, take advantage or, um, utilize this time. So when the pandemic hit, um, my husband and I had just moved into our new house. So, you know, projects were a big focus around the home. Um, since he was on furlough for a short time, we took advantage of that time to do home improvement stuff. And so my little passion project <laughs> slash business um, it's called Creations by Jess, very simple. Um, and it started out as porch pillows. Um, we have a little front porch at our house and we live in the town of Winter Garden, um, which if you're familiar with this area, we have a really cute historic downtown. And so I wanted porch pillows for our, our patio furniture to kind of be representative of that and just have a little nod to our area. And you know, I could have went out and bought something, but here with all this time on my hands, I figured, well, why not just make it myself? Um, and, you know, when you do things for yourself or do little projects, you kind of get those endorphins that make you feel good. So 
um, kind of, you know, a double, double whammy there. So I made my little porch pillows and my community, you know, I started getting compliments on them and people saying, oh, those are so cute. Where'd you get them? And, you know, just having those conversations of, oh, well, I made them. <laughs> um, and so it was, you know, it's always nerve wracking putting yourself out there and, you know, being in a vulnerable position, but I figured, you know, what the heck, my neighborhood has this whole little Facebook page. Let me just put my product out there and see if anyone wants to buy it and, um, and kind of go for there. So I shared my little project of my porch pillows with my neighbors and they were all just so um, receptive and supportive and they kept me busy for a few months making them all little porch pillows. And then that's when that cast page called Ear for Each Other uh, that I mentioned came to fruition. And at that time, that page only had like 3,000 members in it. And Hold up, hold up. I love that you just said only has about 3,000. <laughs> okay, keep going, keep going. Only 3,000. So it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was so nervous. I was talking to my husband, like, should I share my pillows with the ear for each other page? And he's like, yeah, go for it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what if they don't like it? You know, there's that fear of rejection um, or criticism. And so finally it was 10 o'clock. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to post it. And I posted it, shut my phone, went to bed. And that page ever since then has just kept me so busy and I'm so grateful for it. I have been able to make pillows for, you know, clients all around the, the global U.S. And it just brings me so much joy, whether it's a little custom project or something, you know, in my stock that I've already done. Um, it brings me joy that they're keeping me busy and supporting me, uh, but that I'm able to create that little bit of magic for them uh, in their homes. So, yeah, so that's it. Creations by Jess started thanks to COVID-19. <laughs> I specialize in indoor and outdoor throw pillows. Um, and I've been able to do some craft fairs and get out there in the community. And my husband's like a little fan girl when people come up and they're like, oh, are you from that year for each other page? And he's like, oh my gosh, they know you. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, yeah. you seem to be doing really well. I mean, you were at a craft fair, what, like last week and you were sold out yeah. way before the end of the, yeah. of the fair was over. So, I mean, that's awesome. And I, I've been looking at them and you do custom ones too, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yes. Good to know. <laughs> and you, and you ship, so you'll ship to Colorado, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, and you have a Facebook page and it's just creations by Jess, right? Um, do you have an Instagram at all? I do. My Instagram is Buker Creations, B-U-K-E-R and Creations. Perfect. I'll have to look that up and make sure I tag it because everyone should follow. And I think they're awesome. Like even like you said, like for porch stuff, like if you just want to jazz up your own or even like gifts, I feel like they would make the perfect gift for like a first time home buyer or even just like someone who's moved or whatever it is. So I am super impressed by what you're doing. I probably look at creations by Jess more than I should. <laughs> honestly um just looking to see like what what new th what people are asking for to like kind of get ideas of of what I'd be interested in so yeah I think that they are 
Awesome. I'm glad that you are using your creative talents in, in this way. You know, pe- a lot of people are benefiting from it. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, and then also, I've also noticed that um, recently, at least, you have been starting to go back to the parks, um, which I don't, I don't know if you were doing all along, um, but I, I've noticed it more often, you know, in the last month or so. So you have because you're just furloughed, you can still get into the parks. What have you noticed? I mean, it's most of the things that you post, you know, I only see you in them. I don't see, you know, what most people would remember as Disney as being really packed in and all of these people. Usually it's just like you and your husband and not of a lot of other people. Um, how has it been? Is it weird or does it, is it great? Do you love it? Oh, it's great. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we are, we're big Disney people, um, and so the second that the parks reopened, you know, we were out there um, ready to support and, and be out there in the environment, so um, we do have the benefits to be able to go to our parks here, even though I'm on furlough, um, so thanks to the company for letting us keep that, and then we're pass holders at Universal, so um, we like to go over to the parks down the street <laughs> and um, enjoy that uh, environment. So, you know, when we go to the parks, we try to be smart about it, right? So when you look at what I what I post, I always try to post like a real depiction of what the parks look like. I don't, you know, hide in a corner and make it look like it's completely empty. I do try to show crowds and and what it really is like when when we're there, because I want to encourage people to come out, you know, and and not to be afraid. But we're smart about it when we go. We have our hand sanitizers, and there's hand sanitizing stations throughout the parks and resorts. We wear our masks, and we respect the rules about the masks, right? So you know, there's rules. Disney has specific rules: no gators, no masks that have the little like filter in them. Um, you have to be compliant with what their policies are. You know, if you want to eat or drink, you have to be stationary. You can't walk around with, you know, a drink and your mask down. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm drinking, you know, for 10 feet and you never take a sip. So, you know, just being respectful of those rules. So the pandemic has definitely not scared us or kept us away. We just try to be smart when we go out there, you know, after we go on rides or sanitizing or going to the bathrooms and washing our hands and just trying to be as sanitary as possible. So the parks are also limiting capacities. I don't know what the capacity limitations are, but what I will say is, you know, we were at Universal this weekend for Mardi Gras. So on a Saturday, um, on the first day of an event, I'm sure attendance was at a peak. And we never felt compromised. We never felt like we were being stepped on by people around us. Were there crowds? Was it busy? Sure, it was busy, but it never felt unsafe or, you know, like we had to be in fear of, you know, contracting anything. So we've enjoyed it. Like you said, you know, we're always out there. We're going to Epcot tomorrow. I mean, wait, you were at the parks yesterday. Were you not? Yesterday? No. We, we were at the Grand Floridian yesterday. Oh, okay. I feel like you're always there. I keep forgetting like what you're doing <laughs> on what days, but that's, I mean, that's awesome, but you feel safe, right? Which is probably the biggest concern is, is, is whether or not people are feeling safe when they, when they go. I mean, my parents are 
65 and older. Um, they're Disney Vacation Club members. They were supposed to go during Food and Wine. Obvi- they canceled, obviously. And they were supposed to be there right now. And they ended up canceling again because they're like in their first round of their vaccines. Um, and so I can imagine that people who are a little bit older are a little bit nervous to go. And I mean, it makes it makes sense, right? Like you don't know, you're not there. You know, for people who go, they think of Disney as this really busy place with people who are not following rules and doing whatever they want. And they kind of just forget how to act in public when they go to go to Disney. So it's nice to hear somebody from a firsthand experience of somebody who's been that you feel safe. You, you don't feel, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I could go out now to wherever and I get really nervous about people not respecting my personal six feet and it happens everywhere. So it's really nice to hear that a place that I love so much is doing everything that they can to make people feel safe. And at the end of the day, you know, make it so people are safe, not just they feel safe, but they are safe. So that's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the company has those great procedures of like the temperature checks and the extra hand sanitizer, the six foot markers, the policies around the masks, the cast wearing those face shields if they're, you know, in, in close contact in addition to their face masks. But like I said, you also just have to be responsible yourself. Like if somebody's not standing on their marker and invading your bubble, like have the courage to say, hey, would you mind stepping back and just, you know, waiting mm-hmm. on your spot? Or, you know, if, if it feels like an overcrowded area, then taking that time just to step off to the side and let those people pass and then, you know, continue on your way. So, you know, there's definitely procedures set in place by the companies. But I think as individuals, like we have our own due diligence or we need to be responsible too, you know, whether it's speaking up when we feel the need to do so, to hold others accountable, or just making smart decisions ourselves. Yeah. And have you seen other guests respect those, you know, rules and regulations and people's personal space? Uh, You know, it's funny working for one company and then going to a competitor. Like I said, we were at Universal um, this past weekend and it's hard, you know, to not compare or be critical. Um, and I think there's also a different demographic of people that go to the two different parks and how, you know, those individuals respect policies. Um, like Universal allows gators to be worn, but Disney doesn't, you know, so it's just interesting to see the difference in policies and, you know, how people respect those. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny that you say it's, it's hard not to compare, but I mean, I was a Disney cast member and I went to Universal too. And I'm sure, you know, on the other side of that coin, you have Universal employees that are going to Disney World and they probably are doing the same thing as, as far as, you know, compare and contrasting. And you always think your company's better. I mean, maybe we're just biased, but obviously... Disney's great. <laughs> we love it, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's hard not to to compare, but I will probably say that I would feel, I mean, and I'm just speculating, right? Because I haven't been, I feel like I would feel safer at a Disney. And you're right, it has a different sort of demographic than than a universal. Universal, I would say, is more there, people are there for like the thrill of it. And Disney, people are there for the experience. They're t- two very different realms of of theme parks so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt the differences between between the two so and I and I watched your Instagram story about your food festival 
experience at Universal. So, which actually I do have a question about that. I was yeah. talking to, this is like, has nothing to do with anything, but what was that like? Are they trying to compete with Epcot? Like I saw that you had like filled out the survey and that was one of the questions, like, how does this compare? How do you think it compares? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so funny when that question popped up on the survey. How does this compare to Disney's Epcot Food and Wine, you know, International Food and Wine Festival, Um, you know, for them to just be, you know, transparent and pull that veil back. I was like, okay, well, you know, just calling it what it is. Listen, I was critical about the event because, you know, whether it's I'm comparing it to something that's already a well-oiled machine, you know, or what, but you know, anything that's new is always going to have kinks that need to be worked out. We were there on the first day. Um, so yes, there was definitely an opportunity for process improvements. And I've already seen a lot of those improvements occur through like our past folder Facebook page with people posting things. And that's great that they're taking that feedback and being receptive to it. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed myself. The food was delicious. It was nice to have something different from what their traditional Mardi Gras event has always been in years past. So it was exciting to see them kind of innovate and try something new. Um, And so I'll be even more excited to see it next year once they're able to take this year's feedback and improve from it. So from what you got, do you feel like they'll probably keep it in this particular season or do you think they're going to try and, you know, piggyback off of a food and wine an Epcot international food and wine season? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, and this is just my own speculation, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, end up kind of like separating the two events, if they do keep Mardi Gras as its own um, kind of draw an event, and then have their international food and wine event as a separate, you know, draw to bring people to the park. Because that's the things with events, you know, theme parks and you know we'll use that type of um, event to draw crowds during slower times of years to help kind of fill that gray space in between their major you know holidays and tourism season so I'll be interested to see if they end up separating them and creating two separate events out of it you know they have Halloween Horror Nights which is a huge event for them towards the end of the year um, during the Christmas time, they've kind of been evolving and, and doing things to, you know, draw crowds to come to the parks during that time. So I don't know if they're, they're going to keep it together as one mash or if they'll separate them, but I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm really, in, yeah, <laughs> I'm really interested to see your updates on this. You're kind of my new source as far as, uh, what's going on <laughs> in the parks, what new food, what new food is available and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I watch you, you're my, you're like my inside tell all what's happening from a guest perspective in the park. <laughs> so I appreciate that as well. So keep also doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's awesome. And and you have a really good uh, take on things too. I think it's always interesting to get a cast member's view of a guest experience um, because you see things and notice things that uh, just a normal guest would never notice, right. you know? So I think it's, it's really interesting because even now, like when I go to places that aren't Disney, I notice everything everything that's happening, like how you had put, um, I think in your story last weekend about this food festival that they're doing, you said that they weren't cleaning down tables in between 
people, like that's something that I would have noticed, you know, but it's probably not something that a regular guest, non-hospitality guest would notice. So that's that's just my take on Disney cast members going other places. We notice everything. So people need to keep keep a tight ship or else we'll call call you out on it. We'll definitely notice it. So (laughs) yeah. Um, What else have you been doing? You're making pillows and, and, and you had that, and then you're, you're going to the parks when you can and, um, and that sort of stuff. But what else have you been doing to keep yourself busy? You know, I got into running um, when. (laughs) Yes, I do remember that. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, when I first started, I could barely run a mile and I'm like out there, you know, winded, fell out of shape and I had gotten up to four miles. So, you know, going from a period when I could barely run a mile, (laughs) four miles was my new standard. Um, There's just something about being active that I love. I think it's like, I've always been into running and I've always said it's nature's Xanax. Um, it's such a good way to make you feel accomplished and you're doing something healthy. And, um, you know, during running, I've also taken up listening to podcasts for yeah. self-enrichment, right? So yeah. letting that music kind of, you know, stay in the car and, you know, turning my earbuds on to something that I can have that hour, hour and a half of time to self-enrich myself. Um, and it's a good distraction because you get so caught up into the conversation that next thing you know, two miles has passed and you're halfway through your run. So, um, yeah. so that's kind of been my, my two thing has been running, self looking for self enriching things like listening to podcasts and just trying to stay active. I mean, I wish I was that motivated. I hate, I hate running. I want to be a runner in my head. I'm like, Christine, you can do it. You can be a runner, but then the for I have in the last year I've ran outside one time and it was awful, awful. I hated yeah. it. <laughs> so I mean I did it, but I was just like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's just not. It's not worth it. So um, I commend you because I cannot. I mean I'm trying now. I'm getting better as far as like exercise and like going down to the gym because we live in a pretty small complex. Um, so there's like never anyone else in the gym and I'm there so I feel safe. Um, so I'm trying but I'm definitely not on a multiple mile a day journey. Um, not sure if you follow Rachel Hollis or Dave Hollis. They're big tech podcasters and motivational speakers. And they're a couple that's decided to go their own separate ways, but they still have a great platform. And I particularly am drawn to Dave Hollis because he's a retired Disney executive. So I've just always enjoyed his content um, that he puts out there and how he presents it. Anyways, so he's a big time runner. And so he was really like my motivator of like watching him get out there and run and, and he'll, he'll like do Instagram stories while he's running. And it's just like, it's crazy, but you know, it's like, like you said, it's always like fun to watch people get out there and do it. And it's inspiring. And so it's like, you know what? Like I need to get, get out and start running. <laughs> yeah. And it was hard. It was so hard at first. I could barely run a mile. My knees would hurt. I was taking Tylenol when I was done. And you're in Florida, so it's so humid. I could, oh, I could only imagine. <laughs> oh but, you know, it became a good self-challenge of just continuing to push myself each day. I had my husband, which, you know, was a good supporter, you know, pushing me and, and encouraging me and you know, me being able to do the same for him. So it was great for our relationship for us to get out there together and do that. 
and then celebrate the success when we were done. And then let's see what else. We got into a keto lifestyle. We're on a break from that as well right now. <laughs> um, but we got into <laughs> living a keto lifestyle. And so between our running and eating, you know, healthier combined, we lost 50 pounds. I lost 20 and he lost 30 pounds. And so it was this great journey, you know, this lifestyle to go on together um, that we got to see results and, and stuff. So you're just like this superwoman. I feel like you, I just have such a great view, like, or like respect for you. It's just insane. I mean, everyone should follow you. I mean, you're super uplifting and positive. And even if something is, is going on in your life that is a little hard or um, not going the way that you want it to go, you are always like, um, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Like, I feel like that should be your, your catchphrase, right? Like, that's kind of how I see how you live your life. And I mean, social media has some sort of veil you know, as, as far as, um, reality versus what you post, but you always, there's never a point of any of your hardships that you share with people where you're like, I give up. There's never a point, um, for you there. It's always like you're, you're, you're saying there's another option. There's always another way to get to where you want to be or to get what you want or to work through something. So I commend you for that. It's good content to, to see you know, because a lot of people don't put that stuff out there. They don't put the hard stuff out there and you put the hard stuff out there. So yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're not negative about it. You're like, this is, this is a fact. This is what's happening. This is life. Let's, let's try and improve it. Let's try and make it work for us. And I think that's just wonderful. Just yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So you got to look at it, you know, like what's the silver lining? How can I take this hardship and pivot from it? And you know, what lesson am, am I being taught right now? And don't get me wrong. I, you know, have the occasional time when something hits me really hard and I feel knocked down and I need my day to just cry it out, you know, but tomorrow we're picking ourselves back up. We're getting back on the horse and we're going to figure out how to, you know, march forward and just, you know, just how I live my life. <laughs> yeah, I think it's awesome. So one more thing I want to do with you before I let you go, and I haven't actually done this with anybody, so I don't know why you're my guinea pig, okay? I'm going to ask you just like a series of questions. They're going to be really easy, and I just want you to answer them. Okay. <laughs> so out of the four parks at Disney World, which one is your favorite? Magic Kingdom. Mag why? Why Magic Kingdom? I, the nostalgia of, you know, walking down main street and seeing the castle and there's just something about the energy and the air it just you know it just makes you feel like a kid and I think too like I really do have so much respect for Walt and you know his vision and his legacy and just being in Magic Kingdom just you know makes me feel like I'm you know walking in his footsteps and uh, so there's just something about, about Magic Kingdom. It's just my favorite park. I just love the nostalgia and the, the magic of it. Yeah. What is your favorite nighttime spectacular in all the parks? Which one's your favorite? No, my favorite's no longer around. Um, it was Wishes. Wishes. At Magic <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to watch it without tearing up, to be yes. honest. <laughs> exactly. Um, I just, 
just, yeah, there's something about, and I was so sad when they got rid of it. I just could not believe that they were, you know, we're doing that to the people, but um, yeah, Wishes is my favorite. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite restaurant out of all the restaurants in the parks or even downtown Disney or Disney Springs, I should say? Oh my gosh, that's a hard one. I am such a foodie. <laughs> if Chris was like, we're going out to eat, where do you want to go? Like there's no, there's no festivals happening. There's no food booths. Like where, where would you go? Okay. Well, my favorite breakfast on property is Whispering Canyon over at Wilderness Lodge. We love, well, I mean, I just love like the theme of the characters that the cast members play. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then, you know, the all you can eat skillets and the Mickey waffles, um, Whispering Canyon is my favorite breakfast place followed by the wave wave does a really good breakfast buffet so if I wasn't going to Whispering Canyon for breakfast then it would be the wave what is your favorite ride oh my um I am a junkie for thrill rides so any of the coasters um love rock and roller coaster big thunder mountain tower of terror um, if it drops or spins upside down or goes really fast, I am all about it. <laughs> That's perfect. What is your favorite show? Like not nighttime spectacular, like Beauty and the Beast or Indiana Jones or like any of those. Which one's your favorite show? Okay, so this might surprise you. We actually have not seen um, a lot of the shows. You know, that's I, fair. That's, that's fair. I w only saw like Beauty and the Beast because someone I was with wanted to see Beauty and the Beast. I would say like my favorite show or my favorite like attraction, right? Like not ride, but like attraction would be Impression Impressions de France. That's my favorite one. Okay. It's, been there for, it's been there forever and they haven't changed it. And I don't know if it's a comfort thing, but I love going in there and sitting down and just like listening. I don't even have to watch. I just like listen. I don't know. Yeah. That's like my favorite one. If I need a break, it go go in there. It's dark and it's cold. It's great. Yeah. We recently went with our friends. We did, um, gosh, I don't even know the name of it, but at the America Pavilion in Epcot, the show that they do in there, uh, we went and did that with our friends recently. And that was really good. It was, you know, a nice auditorium and it was nice and cool, a good place to take a break from the heat. And you know, it showed the history of, of America and our founding fathers. And so that was really nice to, you know, walk away inspired by. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've always wanted to watch The Lion King. That's always been on my radar to go and see at Animal Kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just never, you know, we're just always on Mount Everest, riding yeah. a roller coaster. And I think, I think like, you don't want to wait in line for those sorts of things. And like, it's going to take an hour out of my day or whatever it is, but that one's good too. Uh, Festival of the Lion King. You should definitely check it out. I don't know how I got dragged in that one either. These are, shows are not my thing either. The live action things are not my, not my jam. I'm much more of like a go, go, go type of, type of person. Who's your favorite Disney character? Mary Poppins. Aw, that's cute. Yeah, it's my favorite Disney movie, um, and I just, I don't know if it's, like, the sidewalk chalk that they got to jump into, or, like, the carousel oh, good. going off, you know, I just, I've always loved that movie, I've always loved Mary Poppins. It's, um, yeah, it's so, it's such a daydream of a movie, right? It's just so, like, a, it's like a kid's daydream, in the best way, in the yeah. best way, Yeah. 
What is your favorite, back to the parks, what is your favorite parade? Oh, my favorite parade? I really like the, um, the electric parade. <laughs> I'm terrified of the Main Street Electric Gull Parade terrified oh my gosh uh yeah because the you know those the balls the the light balls that come down and they have like those clown things on top I can't I can't they're terrifying and I'm not even like scared of clowns but like I'm terrified of that parade (laughs) I don't like it's so random I don't know why Oh, yeah I love like the lights and the music how it's like forever you know yeah I think like as a whole I like it it's just that particular part of the parade I'm like I gotta get out of here I can't do this so yeah that's I a good one like the, um, I like the parade they do at Magic Kingdom during Halloween time where they oh, have like, yeah. the, the shovels and the sparks come yeah. off and um, that's another good one that is a good one um if you could bring back any ride or attraction that they have taken away what would it be Hmm. okay I might have to go to our neighbors down the street for this one for at Universal yeah not even like not even like um uh Mr. Toad or I don't even know if I ever rode Mr. Toad what or like the original Mexico ride yeah, I can't even remember what that would have been like. Or um, the Maelstrom instead of Frozen, you know? Oh, yeah. Maelstrom was good. Yeah. Body Body Wars. Do you remember Body Wars? I don't remember Body Wars. <laughs> well, it's in, like, it was in the, what what now is the Festival Center, or what was at one point. I don't know what is in it over there anymore, but it was like a health, I don't know. It was like health themed and they had like a body wars and it was kind of like star tours but in your body <laughs> I don't know it was like a simulation here well maybe I'll say I prefer the original script for jungle cruise than the new one that they do that's just a bunch of jokes oh yeah or that's like the original good. script for um the safari versus now it just being like a tour of the animals oh I mean, yeah I do miss that like little red Oh, yeah yeah I do miss that about the poachers and the the make it, it was like an adventure there was a part you remember when like you would be on the bridge crossing and the bridge would start like shaking and you're yeah like, oh, and like the alligators are underneath that's yeah. where the alligator enclosure or whatever it is yeah they don't do that anymore I don't know I don't know why maybe it broke and they just never fixed it I have no idea that's what I tell myself in my head at least I don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea but yes I do there, there are just like little tweaks that if you're like a true Disney fan or someone that goes a lot, you like notice when things are no longer there and like you miss them where like a normal guest would never, no. never know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this is going to pertain to you because I don't know if you like this, but which one do you like better, Marvel or Star Wars? Um, okay. So I'm not like a super fan of either of them, <laughs> but I would have to say Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> um, Why is that? Why? Yeah. Gosh. Okay. So I watched Star Wars because my husband's like a big time Star Wars guy. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I don't know. I like the characters and like, I always love like interacting with the stormtroopers and mm, yeah. uh, we recently got to ride Rise of the Resistance and you know, having the resistance interact with you on the ride. It's just, um, I like the theming and the story and like world that Star Wars takes you to. 
Baby versus Marvel. Yeah. Dang it. I'm a Marvel girl. I'm obsessed. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just like obsessed with Marvel. Okay. So I guess last question. What is your favorite festival in Epcot? Which I guess is the only place they really have festivals. So (laughs) which one is your favorite? Uh, Holidays around the world. Really? I don't think I've ever, have they always had that? They've had it for a few years, maybe since like 2012, 2013. Mm. I should remember, I should remember this then. I don't remember it. I don't know. I mean, I guess the, I, I like, um, the flower and garden festival. That one's my favorite, my personal favorite, because you still get the food booths and then their souvenirs are the best out of all the, all the festivals I personally think. Um, but yeah, I'll have to see if maybe my sister remembered. My sister was a cast member too. (laughs) At one point, I'll have to see if she remembers the, the holiday one, but I'm sure I would love it. I've been to like the, what's that show in the America pavilion? The candlelight processional. Oh, mm-hmm. I've been to that. Yeah, but yeah. that's really all I remember from like the holidays. And I remember they they used to do like, you know, they'd celebrate their country's holiday in their country. I remember that, but I don't remember it being like a, like a festival. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I just yeah, I, and it's kind of like a low key festival. Um, I think it's you know evolves more every year like they've added more booths since 2012 or 2013 mm-hmm. um but I just love like I just love the decor and the Christmas trees and you know the hot chocolates and the cookies yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> um but I'd say maybe then my second favorite would just be the International Food and Wine Festival mm-hmm. you can't go wrong there's so many options to try and you can't really get through them all in one day so you have to go back and it's great I love it yeah it's interactive yeah I love it um yeah so thank you for um coming on and sharing a little glimpse into your life and and your role with Disney and you know your likes and what you prefer as far as the last few questions that I that I asked you um I'll definitely have to share your creations by Jess. I'm very excited for other people to, to see it, but yeah, thank you so much for agreeing. (laughs) And I think it's great what you're doing. I just love, like I tell everyone, I'm like, you need to listen to the non-essential. It's just, I think just so innovative and creative. And I don't think there's anyone else out there really, you know, hosting something like this. So um, I just, you know, love seeing all your guests and I'm honored to be a part of it. And it's just really cool. Thank you. Yes. I hope that it enlightens some people who are, who don't think about us because I don't think people think about us, to be honest. I think we're just a luxury and we're a little, you know, people splurge on our particular type of business. So, um, Mm -hmm. but we're really important, I think, to the economy and to people's mental health. People need to have um, hospitality and they need to have travel and they need to have these entertainment outlets. And I, so I think we're a little bit more important than people are willing to admit. So yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I hope that your dog grooming goes a-okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll post a picture on my stories. Yes. I can't (laughs) wait to see it. Thank you so much, Jess. No problem. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to The Non-Essential. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And for all of that behind-the-scenes footage and additional content, make sure you check us out at the.nonessential on Instagram.